Rainbow Wrap-Up is sponsored by Hawaii Sports Fans. Come join us for every UH football game on the road at hisportsfans.com. Aloha and welcome to another episode of the Rainbow Wrap-Up. Super excited that we are just blazing through 2023 because we're just that much closer to football season. But hey, hold up because we've had an amazing baseball season already and we got soccer. We have so many sports galore. We're going to talk about, you know, even the big one on Manoa Campus, men's volleyball, which is marching its way towards the Big West Championship, which we'll be attending here at, Los, uh, at Hawaii Sports Fans, and hopefully back-to-back-to-back appearances in the NCAA tournament. But before we get ahead of ourselves, our boy, Sean Iman. What's up, Sean? What's up, Wayne? What's up, Ryan? What's up, uh, he, Warrior Nation? <laughs> and he <laughs> dropped the ball right there. It's Ryan's here joining <laughs> us tonight. Bring him, coming back to the show. What's up, Ryan? How's it going tonight? Doing pretty good and ha- happy to have you join us. You know, um, we're all huge fans of Hawaii football, but we're also huge fans of Hawaii baseball and Hawaii women's basketball and Hawaii women's volleyball. So we're the types that we can be on campus whenever there's a game. And there's a lot of people like us. And I, we were talking about this earlier, the giant Venn diagrams of, of fans. But we're going to talk about specifically why UH football fans, because you know, UH football is traditionally the sport that gets the most fans. This past year, uh, I don't think that's going to be true because of being a TC Ching, but this is our program that is the flagship and it needs to be, you know, financial engine really behind the pro- uh, the entire department. So we're going to talk about the next generation because uh, when you look at UH football, when you look at the stands, you see a lot of gray, you see a lot of white. Um, so <laughs> in many ways, but... That's that's dangerous for the future as well, especially when we're in such huge transition period, uh, moving into a new stadium, adding more seats. I mean, who's going to fill those seats? That's all the things we're going to talk about in this show. Uh, but just a reminder to all of you, uh, this is Hawaii Sports Fans, the title sponsor of Rainbow Wrap-Up. And at Hawaii Sports Fans, we do some curated, exciting sports road trip adventures. For me, I am that that guy that loves that road trip, loves that adventure. I've been road tripping, adventuring since the beginning of 2023. Actually, let's be let's be honest, probably for the last seven years. But just in 2023, I've been in Kansas City a couple of times. I've been in Arizona, L.A., Hawaii multiple times, uh, Costa Rica. Um, and then I was just had this past week going to Lakers and and Clippers game at Staples. Uh, I mean, Crypto.com Arena. And of course, she's going to love her shout out because a fuchsia shout out because she is the biggest magic fan. I mean, she was getting recognized in the games game by people because of who she was, uh, who she is. And that's pretty impressive. I want to be Orlando magic, um, global fans, even the fan in Australia who came all the way from Australia recognized her because, uh, Orlando magic, follow her on Twitter. And, you know, she's a huge supporter of Jeez. one of their podcasts. I know she's a patron of <laughs> one of their biggest podcasts. I mean, it'd be amazing if she could do that for us. Right. But you know, it's okay. It's she's followed by the Orlando magic. So I get it. I get it. You're a big time, but honestly it was really cool. And she had amazing seats that she got for us as well. I got Sports to partake time. in. 
court side for the Clippers game. We're right behind the bench. We had unlimited food, unlimited drinks, which included some adult beverages as well. Um, it was a 12 o'clock game, so it was strange. To, you had to eat like brunch food and stuff, but eventually you could, you know, get other food. But it was so good. It was just such a great experience. And that's what I talk about with fan experience. Like for me, how many times have I gone to crypto? And I look up when I'm there in the, the sidelines. I'm like, man, I remember sitting at a 300 level. Like, bruh, that's not even the same experience of what's going on right here. Which is not the same if you're sitting in the premier level, which is not the same if you're sitting in, you know, the the end zones or something, whatever you want to call them. You know, it's just that's how it is. That's what a game experience is like. It's and that's what makes being a fan and going to games such a different experience every time you go to an arena. So I think at Hawaii Sports Fans, that's that's my biggest goal for people, especially when it's their first time going to a place, right? If your first time and maybe only time you're gonna to go to Dodger Stadium, like we've done. Um, and Hawaii sports fans several times. Now we sat in the Dodgers home run seats, which are literally on the home run fence with the server giving you food. I sat there with my grandfather and two uh, other octogenarians. So that's another theme about UH fans that they were going to get into that, that level of fan that's been around forever, but they're still coming on the road with me and they're still having fun. And, you know, that's the kind of thing we're going to be doing too. Speaking of volleyball, uh, men's volleyball, we got the Big West Championship Tour. So if you go to hisportsfans.com, we also got deposits you can place on men's volleyball going all the way back to NCAA tournament. So you can check that out at hisportsfans.com as well. But let's talk about men's volleyball just real quick. I know, Sean, you were at one of the games as well. Talk about just that atmosphere at Stan Sheriff. Yeah, I went to the Saturday game. I I dodged another bullet for the second week in a row. I, I went on the game where they, they won after losing the night before. So uh, just an incredible. So you're atmosphere. the good luck charm. You're the good luck charm, uh, basically. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. For Wahine volleyball, whenever we show up, they usually lose. I guess it's different <laughs> for men's. So, yeah, it was a great atmosphere. I was, I was kind of thinking to myself, like, I think, this should be on like cable TV or it deserves a bigger national audience because such a great environment and just the Hawaii fans are just on another level. So just high level volleyball. Last year I had season tickets this year. I ended up not renewing them because it was just so hard, honestly, to, mm-hmm. to give them out too. And there are a lot of games and um, you know, I personally would probably go if I lived at home full time. Obviously, I'm traveling so often that I'm not home all the time. It's it would be hard to commit to every game, anyways. I mean, if you're somebody like Ryan who lives down the street, literally, <laughs> he, that's still hard. But he's a season ticket holder. And just talk about your journey this year as a season ticket holder for UH men's volleyball and attendance and what it's been like for you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough that unfortunately I had to miss like the past couple weekends, which were you know the the, the biggest crowds and the best teams that we were playing against. Um, I do want to give you credit for giving me a lot of those tickets for the games you couldn't make last season. Although, <laughs> That's true. Know, Wayne li- Wayne liked to text me about an hour before the game, like, "Hey, I couldn't get rid of these. Can you go?" And I always mm. had I always kept cash in the car because you know I didn't have a parking pass. Like, I pulled seven bucks and then I just you know would drive up and go and try to call someone else to join me because there was always an empty one. And you know how hard it is to find someone that quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, this year, uh, you know, I, I decided to buy season tickets because of that. Um, I've made, yeah, I made almost every game uh, except for, you know, one I was, you know, the ones I've been working when I've been on the mainland and then one when I was working here. Um, but yeah, I, I think that as the season progressed, we've definitely, you know, had better competition. And the crowds have definitely uh, showed that as well. Um, 
I mean, I was hoping that I don't, I don't think Long Beach State on Saturday was a, a sellout like UCLA was. It was close. It was 8,000. I think it was like 8,800 8, 8, or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I will say I have stayed up and, and I've been working central time. So I have stayed up. You know, these games start at midnight central time for me. But I did stay up for both of them uh, watching on ESPN Plus. So, you know, grateful to have them uh, at least, you know, being able to. And you just can't. You can't maybe like like I've watched the away games for a lot of them too, um, because of the Big West contract of the ESPN Plus, and you you just can't beat people like Kanoa He I mean, just to have the call and granted, you know, he does come from a you know multi generation lineage of sports broadcasters, and nothing personal against you know a lot of these other smaller you know Big West schools, but you know a lot of times they have these we'll call them amateurish type or you know maybe these college students or whatnot calling these games. And, you know, for, for these professionals that we have, you know, Chris McLaughlin as well, you just can't beat it with, with the way that the production is when you're not there, you know, in the arena live. Obviously, the goal is back-to-back-to-back to back to back national championship this year for this team. But as I have to remind some of my now uh, 20 tour attendees for this NCAA tournament who have put down deposits. So congrats to all of them for having that faith that will be there in Fairfax, Virginia, that will be there in Washington, D.C., for the 2023 NCAA tournament. The fact is, it's not a guarantee that we're going to be there. Uh, Sean did ask me beforehand what I thought percentage-wise. After, after the first Long Beach defeat, I was like, man, we're probably at 50-50 now. Probably. Like, and that's pretty low. I mean, because it's not 100%, and it's still not 100% now. At 50-50 might still be high for some people now. I think it's higher than that, especially after beating Long Beach State the second night. And then Penn State losing, the team that beat us, them losing um, to Ohio State was a, yeah. a, a loss, for, a major loss for them. So that at least puts us into better consideration. And this is just the fact that there are two ways to get into the NCAA tournament, right? You get your conference's automatic bid, which the Big West has. Big West just started men's volleyball, let's remember, just a few years ago. Before that, UH was playing the MPSF, which still is a league that has UCLA and um, Pepperdine and some other teams in it. But they used to all be combined now. So there are two, you know, basically powerhouse uh, conferences. But still, the committee is going to look at the entire body of work. And even though UH does have huge wins, obviously beating um, UCLA, beating Long Beach State, to kind of nullify those losses against Long Beach and Penn State, UH did not exactly play a non-conference slate. They kind of went the the way of men's basketball and and played some of the the lower um, and in this case Division One and Division Two teams because they played D one and D two. And like I said before, several you know over a decade ago, um, NCAA was all one division, one, two, and three. So. It, it was probably harder to make a schedule back then, but now there are a lot more teams and definitely a lot more D1 teams. So it is interesting that Charlie decided to schedule all these teams, uh, these North Carolina schools, for instance. But I, I commend him for doing it because, A, he lets all the team, the entire team play, all the boys. B, it's a good experience to gr- for for both teams, not only UH going to some of these schools, but also these schools being able to host the number one team. And that only grows the game of men's volleyball, which is really a fringe sport. And it's always been that way. And we're seeing it in, in real time, men's volleyball, the way that 
the NCAA doesn't make it as big of a deal now. There's no streamers. There's less fanfare. And also ESPN making it harder to watch this team too. Watch these games as well. Before it was either on the flagship ESPN or at least ESPN2. But now because they have ESPN+, Plus, they can really bury a lot of these games on their streaming sites that you have to have subscription to. And that really does a disservice to men's volleyball as well. I believe last year the championship was on ESPN3. So, you know, ESPN, obviously now that they own ABC um, or Disney, who knows, whoever who owns who, that huge conglomerate, they can put content on different channels now. Uh, But men's volleyball has gotten more, unfortunately, kind of obscure. Uh, but with that being said, uh, we do have this tour coming up, which is really excited. So you can place your deposit, like we said, hisportsfans.com. You want to join us as a tour or the Big West tour. That's a last minute sale going on. Check it out. We're only four weeks away from that one. Tomorrow I'll be at Northridge as well. Uh, so if you're listening to this, it's Friday, March 24th, 25th games. Hawaii will play Northridge. Those won't be gimmies either. They have to play within their conference. And like we said, if you win your conferences automatic, you get in. But Hawaii has to play the Big West tournament in Irvine against Irvine and Long Beach and these teams, which is going to be hard. So getting that at large right now, I'd say Hawaii has a really strong resume, obviously. But the rankings don't go into the at-large considerations. Those at-larges by these committees who look at different criteria that rankings don't look at. Rankings are a popularity contest in a lot of ways. We can be honest with that. I think UH is deserving of their one and now two ranking, but mm-hmm. those won't go into consideration. So let's be confident, but we won't go mm-hmm. get overconfident. But one thing we wanted to talk about, and Sean brought up even before the show, was the fans. The fans of volleyball and the fans of um, Hawaii athletics in general. A lot of the fans are, it's and they're different. Sean called them Akamai fans, which in Hawaii, word Akamai is smart, but. Volleyball does have a lot of fans that appreciate smartly good play by both teams and will cheer long rallies. Um, and they're people that may not generally be football fans as well, even though, like we said, in Hawaii, it's important that we, uh, especially on our for our program, to develop a very strong football base because those feed the other sports. Men's volleyball is self-sustaining. It's definitely got its own fans um, who are not necessarily football fans. I think there are fans that are, um, they have a lot of LGBT fans as well, which I think need to be, uh, find find ways to bring in even more, especially because we're the rainbows. And there's a lot of support there, at least in the men's volleyball. And they have a lot of disposable income, LGBTQ people. That's just a natural thing economically. And I think they are a huge supporter of, men's volleyball you see it invisible um and we could still have that in other sports as well it doesn't necessarily need to be in men's volleyball i think there's a uniqueness to men's volleyball uh, that attracts fans and the game of volleyball just the sport of volleyball there's a uniqueness to it as well but at the end of the day men's volleyball is, cannot be carried on to or relied on to carry our entire program that's just not going to happen uh but when we look back at our lives as football fans, we know the three of us, and I'm let the both of them talk about it as well, what it's like growing up in Hawaii and having that in your blood and having that be your default. What you do on Saturday nights in the fall, who you cheer for, that's that was built within us. But today we're talking about like whether you know that's the same for the kids these days. Um, the three of us don't have kids. 
we could. We're old enough to have them, but um, a lot of people, millennials especially, are not having as many kids. And Gen Z probably won't have as many kids as well. So we're talking about specifically millennials, Gen Z. Um, and now that millennials are <laughs> turning 40, I already turned 40, and I'm loving it and living it. But, you know, at 40-year-olds 20 years ago, it looked different than 40-year-olds today in terms of what society expected of them. But at the same time, even if we're not buying houses, uh, we have tastes that include wanting to have a good time and having quality events to um, inspire us, to motivate us on the weekends. Um, so that's why people think that millennials play around a lot. Maybe they do in, in relation, but we're living life in a different way because life has changed. But for us, life hasn't really changed when it comes to UH football. We still have that same devotion. But why is that? And do we see that? Uh, for me, growing up in the 80s, in, that, in the shadow of uh, really the renaissance of UH football, um, the Tommy then into the Bob Wagner era. Then for me, you know, as a kid going by myself to the Von Oppen games and then being in high school when June Jones took over and, you know, that being really the, the beginning of the next glory era of UH and going to college at that time for me, going to New York, going on a mission, coming home. Um, I missed a lot on that era of the 2003-4 era, but when I got back, 2005-6, you know, UH was definitely starting to raise, rise up again. Colt Brennan came into the fold in 2005. 2007, I was my first year having my own season tickets, and it obviously coincided with you know, arguably the greatest year in UH football history. Uh, maybe not the best team, because we're not going to get into that debate, but in terms of where we were in the world of the NCAAs and amongst the, the giants. I'll never forget walking down Bourbon Street and seeing our logo next to, uh, you know, Georgia. And because the following week, the national championship game was going to be played there and LSU was going to be in it. There we, you know, our names was up there with all these huge schools. So if that was the peak and the pinnacle, we certainly have fallen since then. But at the same time, we always talk about, it doesn't mean necessarily that fans want to see just success on the field. They want to be motivated in the stands to just be there to support the team and have fun and just come away with an experience. So I think that's something we have to think about as well. But I'll start with you, Sean. I mean, when you look at the Hawaii fan base, if someone said describe the UH fan base to me, to you, to them, what would you, how would you describe it? If, yeah, if you go to TC Chang and you look around, it's, it's kind of, it's a very much a older crowd. A lot of, gray and silver eaten Simon. So, yeah, and I'm just concerned that, you know, what is, who's going to replace those guys? Cause eventually those guys aren't going to be there anymore. And that's the majority. That's the, our fan base. That's the base. So, you know, what is UH doing to uh, replace those guys and to, to market to a new, a new younger generation that will replace them. I'm well, what do you think will bring them out? I mean, you, so you are a Gen Xer. At the same time, you are um, in that, that um, you know, generation that is a lot of people are asked, like, where are you sometimes, you Gen Xers? So do you think that your generation is showing up at TC Chain? Because we know the old folks are there. That's not you guys, right? And I wouldn't even consider the boomers old folks, even though, you know, my parents are boomers and I probably are, most of our parents are boomers. And it's like, I don't know if I would consider them the elderly or the kupuna yet. And I still see potential for them. I mean, I, I, 
I'm bringing my parents to a lot of games. They come on the road with me. And it's a part of them, I think, now again. But I definitely had to be that motivated source in there. I don't think I don't think if I was as motivated to be going to UH football that the rest of my entire family would even be as much into it. Yeah, my I, grandpa I, would still always be into it because that's his thing. But I don't know. I think it would have skipped with my parents' boomer generation. Um, and I think there are less boomers, even though a lot of them come with us on Hawaii Sports Fans. Another drop for Hawaii Sports Fans, but we do get a lot of boomers. <laughs> Shout out to my boomers. But you Gen Xers, do you see them there, Sean? So, yeah, a lot of my, you know, my people my age, I think, have kind of dropped off. I think pay-per-view has definitely uh, impacted the home gate. Um, it's having the pay-per-view it makes it, it encourages a passive fan base. Like you, you can be a fan, but you don't have to be there. You, you know, you're, you're at home with your friends watching it. And I, I, I don't know. I just think the, the pay-per-view is really, really chewed into the home attendance of Hawaii. UH is hooked on the, the pay-per-view paycheck. And it's like, I feel like UH should only sell pay-per-view if, X amount, a number of seats or you know, season tickets are sold a year, you know, because it was. I think UH should in. be able to get money back if they're spent. UH is not getting that much gravy off of this pay per view. That's another thing too. It's like they're not getting additional funding. There's plus. no, yeah. there's not additional, but that's because we're not revenue getting sharing. a part of the conference. Yeah, we're not getting the revenue yes. sharing, so there's no gravy. We're just yeah. getting the part that we didn't getting from somewhere else. It's, there's nothing it's added on top. Yeah. And yeah. pay-per-view, all we're not getting per we're, we're not getting derivatives per per pay-per-view per, per view, yeah, per purchase, yes, right. So Apple TV right now is on the MLS thing, right? If you guys know, Major League Soccer signed a big deal with yeah. Apple TV to have all the games on Apple TV, but Apple TV is still worried too, right? They have a lot in their contract saying like we better have people watching, like we're gonna be watching who's view, like how many viewers we're getting. And we're, that's going to decide how much we're going to start paying you out, too. So these streamers are going to ex- expect people to watch as well. I mean, in Hawaii, it's crazy because you have to pay to watch. So, yes, like Sean's saying, it's like a lot of people are saying, well, if I'm paying to watch it on TV, I'm just not going to go to the games anymore because I have to pay to watch it on TV, which is kind of counterintuitive to me because I would think if people have to pay to watch it on TV, it would encourage more people to go to the game, go to the stadium. Um, because yes, you're still going to be paying, but you get a good experience if, if you can get that experience. And that's what I think is, is the difference right there. But I don't know, Ryan, what are your thoughts, Ryan? It's location. And I know we've hammered this, you know, in the, the few podcasts I've been on and, and you guys have done this. TC Ching was a fantastic temporary and that's all it should be, right? You get in, you got to figure out funding for Loha stadium, the plan, which still is, is in limbo right now. Right. But you know, getting in and out of campus and, you know, the parking situation. I mean, you guys, you guys know the exits for university or even wildlife. I mean, that's some of the shortest on the Island, as far as getting off the freeway, you know, you have that quick U-turn just to get on and off. And, you know, they're expecting to go from 9,000 to 17,000 next year. And that's, they're expecting almost double people to be showing up over those same two highway exits. I mean, you can't, this is Hawaii. You can't expand, right? You can't add, you know, longer on ramps or anything like that. And, you know, the experience, we really were spoiled with that first game, you know, before Vanderbilt. And then after that, it just kind of went downhill. 
And I understand, you know, a lot of the food trucks, you know, Hawaii's taking a large chunk as well. So they may realize after the first game or two, hey, I might not even be breaking even. I'm losing money. You know, the experience, uh, you know, we were just, we really were spoiled. We had that green concert, right? And then mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff going on. I know they had stuff at the list for kids. And I still, I think they did it throughout the season. But, you know, that, that fan experience, I mean, I enjoyed it. I know it was a goodbye, but I enjoyed Aloha Stadium just saying goodbye more than, you know, anything that we had pregame, you yeah. know, of any game last season. Granted, I will say, you know, it was a, a whole production put on. Um, but as smooth as it was when it came to tickets and, and the way that they, you know, control people going in and out, in addition to having the swap meet there, you know, which is a, a subset of that crowd as well, right? But you got to have, you know, easy in and out. And I think that's part of, you know, like, like Sean was talking about with volleyball, right? They had like 4,000 or so attendance on Friday and then 8,000 on Saturday, which, you know, part of it too, you know, I get it. We, you know, we all, we all three work like, you know, people work on Fridays. It's tough to go to a game, even though it's later at seven, it's not at six, but you know, you get off work at four thirty, five, five thirty. 30. It's hard to, you know, get your you know family and get up to the game. I get that part, but same thing, right? It's just, it's the experience getting on and off campus. Um, if you're really going to do it, you have to block off further away and get police to really handle traffic and do it right where, you know, you have this going, um, but yeah, I mean, it's experience, right. Uh, you know, I talked to, you know, my girlfriend Rita and she was like, she never understood, you know, she only saw Lohu stadium every time we drove past it. Right. And until she like got into that stadium, she was like, I get it now. Like, this is why, you know, it's so big, but like being in there, you know, being in the parking lot, you know, she'd actually never been to the swap meet either, but like, she understood that. And this is coming from someone who, you know, went to university of Texas, which has, you know, they they have what almost double. I don't, I don't even know what their capacity is of their stadium, right? But, you know, for someone going to all those games, which, you know, those were guaranteed sellouts, right? And then, you know, who went to, you know, she went to a lot of games at Chi Ching with us. But, like, just being at Aloha Stadium, like, that's the stadium that is for college football, for a D1 program. And, you know, even if we had... 30,000, you know, I mean, we, we averaged 28,000. I looked this up a while ago. We averaged 28,000 of an open year unintended. Yeah. When we went crazy. 12. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. And, you can't even you know, have that now. Is, right. Okay. And, and that's what's going to be interesting for this next year. But, you know, some of the things that we're talking about, it's, it's the experience, you know, and you can compare a lot to like, you know, men's volleyball, men's basketball, women's, you know, volleyball and basketball too. You know, Sean was talking about how, you know, we have smarter, not smarter fans, but smart fans in there, right? But it's that experience of, hey, you know, they figured it out this year on how to do the roof chant. And if you wait till, you know, it shows up on the replay and then everyone does it at the same time, you know? And that kind of took a while. But you go to our games in football, it's kind of a joke when they say stand up for third down or, you know, we first down here. Yeah, it's like us, I, and I know it's a you know, it's my experience because I'm not on the other side, right? We're not on the other end zones; we're on the sidelines. But I feel like on a third down, we hear Shane all the way behind us, standing <laughs> up and yelling. Our group is you know doing our thing, but there's you know the, the cheerleaders might be doing the thing, but we can't hear them because you know we might be you know all the way across. But there's there's you know no traditions like we've talked about in the past too. We've lost a lot of that. Hey, this is what we should do. 
you know, you look at Texas A&M, right? They have midnight yell because they teach all these freshmen that come in before school even starts, what the heck to do in all your traditions. You know, this is what you do during this situation. And, you know, I know that, you know, we are an older, you know, university over a hundred years, but, and we're not as big as some of these schools, but, you know, traditions have been there, right? It's not like we were ever quite on third down 15 years ago, you know, and I think that that's what's lost, you know, yeah. and, and, and part of it could be is you can't see it on the scoreboard because the scoreboard is so tiny or they're just streaming the game off spectrum and not doing anything as far as, you know, putting up any graphics or anything like that. But, you know, there's just a lot of, you know, issues that have just really just gone past that we, you know, probably could have fixed five years ago, 10 years ago, and just haven't really put any effort to it. And it's just kind of, you know, died. Well, that might be a good thing, honestly, for the future, for the school to think about is coming up with a new fight song. And that is something that was kind of evident when, I don't know, you might have been there. You guys might have been there at that, that rally in New Orleans the day before the football game, the Sugar Bowl. We had nothing. And we said, <laughs> we sang the same, we said Let's Go Bows over and over. Like, Georgia had, like, a whole album full of songs that they sang yes. together. Mm-hmm. And we sang this we said three words over and over again, like, let's go Bose. <laughs> and like really nobody, and even in that era, people weren't really doing the fights on like really only until the band started putting the words out on their construction paper or whatever they were doing. Shout out Gwen. Um, you know, I, I don't think that the crowd was as engaged when it came to the fight zone because um, it's not that it's just not that, modern Modern, or you know and that's it but i mean how when the texas fight song probably wasn't written wasn't 20 years ago either but it's still a lot of these schools keep them modern like they you know i don't know and even like the arkansas pig suey thing like all these little things that Mm -hmm. we have quirks in our culturally that make us so unique and different that we could derive a lot of from like the chi who's we're trying to encourage we're trying Mm -hmm. to do the chi who thing more obviously ben is trying to do that um, but that needs to be somehow hard coded into the DNA of this program and the fan base. And mm-hmm. that can still be, that can still happen, but I think it should be student led. And that's a, that's a big thing too. There's just, isn't mm-hmm. a student fan organization and there should be, there should be vocal student fans and there really aren't any, maybe the kids that worked at the school paper or something who had interest in the team, we're talking about fans who are going to stand up lead the group, be vocal. You see these kids on TV every week on ESPN, but they don't exist at UH. They, from afar, when they're cheering together, they want to make it look like it, but there's no student leader. There's nobody standing up. So you're going to need somebody from student. I mean, you could have somebody that you hire in the department, and UH did hire someone, right? Um, but they just hired the same person that worked in the department already, so we don't know what kind of new ideas are going to come. Uh, but that's a good start. Uh, is building new traditions and making them relevant. But with that being said, Ryan, you brought up the fact that, okay, parking and TC Ching might going to hold people back, but they're, they're expanding anyways. So I think the expectation is that they're going to be able to fill these seats. Obviously they keep going back to the 15,000 thing. Mm -hmm. So a 15,000 thing, meaning Hawaii needs to average in any two three years two out of three years span at least yeah. fifteen thousand fans and we can barely get eight thousand the last couple of years uh, even post-pandemic 
with mm-hmm. full capacity, we still aren't able to sell out 9,000 or only do it maybe one time. So that's really the, the big thing is like, where are these fans going to come from next year? I mean, where are they coming from? Do you guys have any ideas? Cause I, I don't. This podcast, maybe like an extra 10, 20. <laughs> I hope, I hope we're out there. Come to games next year. I've all the many listeners out there. And that's the thing. We are a part of that though. I mean, podcasting is a, a part of professional teams now like i said at lafc the podcast all of them even the tiniest ones even i've only heard of a couple of podcasts that are really big but there's like over a dozen 15 podcasts and they all got shouted out at the team parade winning the cup which was insane like a pro team because they understand the nice. impact of podcasters mm-hmm. on their fan base and then the mm-hmm. growth of their fan base is free advertising i mean what we're doing right now is freely talking about yeah. and our, our program even if people are like oh you're being critical like which is crazy because we are the fans that's why that's mm-hmm. why we we have to point out mm-hmm. places of criticism in our our team because they're valid because we've traveled because we know what's better mm-hmm. i mean ryan you went to smu right i mean just talk about mm-hmm. even there june jones would always talk yeah. about how how much he admired it but what was it i think about smu that uh, was different no no Similar to like AM, right? So they have this thing, it was called like Mustang Prowl, which you actually did in the spring. I have no idea if they still do it or not, but you learn you learn the fight song, you learn some of the traditions, you know. They joke about putting up, you know, we have uh, you know, we're the Mustangs, but we have a pony as our mascot, right? So, you know, you're not doing you're not doing a peace sign, you're not doing the TCU horn frogs, obviously it's that in between, right? So but yeah. you know, all those little things and then you know this before the first game in August when you come to school. And, you know, but you also get to meet some of your student body. And and I like it because even though it's as big as the market as Dallas is, it still felt like a small, close enough school. You know, I mean, we had I think there was like maybe 10, 12,000 in our endowment. So, you know, it wasn't a whole lot. Right. You're not going to school with like 50,000 people, which is a little crazy. Right. Um, But, yeah, you, you have a lot of these older traditions and, you know, you get a lot of these things on what to do for the alma mater. You know, uh, and yeah, there's just, there's a lot of, I mean, I, I don't remember them now, but there were probably three or four, you know, chats or, or things that we learned on what to do. Mostly it was around football, but obviously, you know, being in Texas and how big football is, um, that makes sense. Right. Um, you know, but, but similar, I mean, I, I think Hawaii has a bigger school as far as the student body goes. Cause I know a lot of that SMU was, yeah. uh, we actually had more, um, graduate students than undergrads. Wow. So I think it was like mm-hmm. a three to two. Um, wow. Interesting. Ratio or something like that. Yeah. Uh, something like that. And anyway, but yeah, just, you know, having a school like that and, you know, they do that everywhere. Right? You go to, you know, when I was looking at schools, I'm trying to remember, but like, you know, Baylor had something similar than on a visit, you know, it was like just an orientation visit type thing. Like, Hey, this is the stuff we do. And, you know, cause they're trying to get you to go to their school and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, you know, um, I, I, I'm trying to remember because I actually visited Stanford as well. I could have sworn we learned something, whether it was, you know, one or two things or, you know, heard the fight song at one point on a spring visit. But, you know, I, I have no idea what it's like for Hawaii if you're coming in to visit as a prospective student here. Um, but yeah, having stuff like that is just, you know, tremendous. Yeah. And, and even, you know, all of us who have gone to all these games as kids too, I don't remember a whole lot as far as, you know, otherwise people just kind of stomping your feet and, and rattling low stadium and third down. And, 
you know, you talk about the fight song. I feel like we were more excited about listening to Hawaii Five O than our own fight song. Yeah. Which, you know, maybe you embrace more of that. You know. Um, well, back you know, in the day, the band, like, the band had a bigger portion of, you know, right. airtime in the '80s, and mm-hmm. they, they've been kind of marginalized. I feel like. It's more, yeah, there's more commercial, you know, the games and you know, Billy V's mm-hmm. games and stuff. So, mm-hmm. but specifically for the students. So, what Ryan's saying is the students, that's where, and that, and yeah. I, that's the natural answer. It's on campus. So, the well, students then, should be the ones then, showing up for the game. That's the whole point. And, and then, they haven't been. But the propaganda has been showing photos very specifically taken at certain angles and moments of the games and certain games where the kids are standing up. And that's not the truth. If anybody goes to a game, the student section is pretty dead for the most part. And even games when they are filled, and mostly because they have to incentivize them to get there, giving them free stuff. One time, we were, where were we at together, Ryan, when they were giving them their, their free thing they had to get at halftime? I forget who was with me, but I was Ooh, like... T-shirt, maybe? Yeah, that t-shirt. T-shirt. Yeah, you had to stay. Yeah. You right. had to stick around to at least halftime. They mm-hmm. wouldn't just give it to you yeah. at the beginning of the game. So what is that saying? Obviously, mm-hmm. they, they're afraid kids are going to leave and just take what they want. So mm-hmm. what it needs to do is develop a culture of kids wanting to be there, A. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, could start freshman year. I mean, the kids that coming from the mainland, they're not as jaded. I mean, local kids going to UH have to know off the bat that there are no local kids. I mean, there is a very small amount of students that go to games at Los Stadium, right? We would joke. I mean, they would, they would barely yeah. have dozen, not even a dozen kids sometimes in a right, sea of right. a thousands, thousands of re- of orange seats. So mm-hmm. that hasn't changed, even though they came to campus, that's only marginally improved. And really the big games at Los Stadium always had big students too. So what's the difference? They incentivize kids to go to the stadium. They have to incentivize them to going to the freaking stadium on the their own campus yeah. to walk to. And that is a bigger issue. So yes, if we're going to expand, and it's I, I the, the the top candidate got to be the students, because like mm-hmm. we're saying, the discussion is we're not seeing Gen Xers a lot of them. We're not seeing a lot of millennials with kids. They're there, mm-hmm. but the mm-hmm. gross majority, especially when it comes to the sideline people who are paying a bigger, a larger donation. I mean, we love being in the end zone and the, all the thing is the good thing about us being in the end zone. We also are not being forced to pay a mandatory donation fee, which supports people right. like us, the proletarian everyday, mm-hmm. you know, person. But at the same time, the school knows that they have to leverage the rich people and the, co- the corporations. And that's why they are so intent on getting all these corporations that they should be because they need to mm-hmm. fill in the gap. But when you let the, population of everyday fans just go down 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 every year that's that it it becomes evident and we're seeing it and the people that are paying on the sidelines they're not they're not the ones really aggressive they're not screaming they're not the ones getting into the games they're not the ones even a lot of them are not even traveling a lot of them a lot of them are just it's something that they're doing their whole lives and a lot of them like old people that we know like you know, they get the a ones. they get a letter. They're on the mailing list from, and they yeah. they'll just pay every year. Some random mailing mm-hmm. list will send them something. I'm sure the season tickets has become like that for them, like time to renew. But you know, bill. unlike people, but it's true that people are aging out. Like I, I bring them up all the time. I would shout them out. The Miyamoto's. I just watched a video of her. This is a couple 
that uh, came on a lot of trips with me throughout the years, but they warned me that they were getting older, they were getting more forgetful, that time would catch up, and it did. And it it still hurts me that to call them, even though I knew it was going to happen when they didn't know my name anymore, when they forgot me. And they warned me. Aww. They told me, like, we're going to get old. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. Maybe next year. This is probably our last year. Last time I – the last time they came with me, they said, it's probably our last story. You know, I was like, nah, nah, nah. You guys are going to be fine. And these are Nakoa, active Nakoa members. Yeah. Um, so this is a reality. This is not like they're not showing up. I've seen them mm-hmm. get to a point of going from no can use a bathroom on their own kind on my tours. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. the kind that is very sad because these people love the program so much and they're going to go to their literal dying moments to support this team. And that is, that's why Hawaii does have some really true fans, our Kupuna but those, those, they're not, they're, they're, they're in shorter and shorter supply every year. And, you know, once my grandfather, for instance, stops watching, stops paying for the pay-per-view in our household, um, you know, when he passes on and hopefully it's long, a long, long, long time from now. And I think my grandfather has a long time left, but I don't think my parents are just going to buy the package anymore just because, because first of all, they go to some of the games and they're going the games that they don't go to. They're not going to feel like buying that package. I know them. Um, so I see that's going to happen a lot of the, of the way as well. But, uh, I mean, specifically, if we're trying to get fans who are Gen Z fans, and they're not specifically jumping on the bandwagon in college, it's hard to bring them in later on unless you add elements that are going to attract their generation. Like Gen Z right. millennials, we want to like drink craft beer. We want to like drink good coffee we want to like <laughs> be able to do like that stuff that sounds crazy to people like you wouldn't like eating fusion food yeah having fast wi-fi like yeah. that's not a deal breaker maybe for us to go to games but mm-hmm. for a lot of people that that definitely i mean I, look at tc Chang in general like we sat through in those metallic aluminum bleachers like monsoons at the end of the year, the last yeah. game, <laughs> we were getting blown around, tossed around. Yeah. Literally, you know, Sean was in his was <laughs> the, one of the few of us to bring his poncho, and he was totally yeah. covered in yeah. his German shell. Yeah, but the rest of us were getting battered. Like no, nobody yeah. would want to sit in that. We were getting battered mm-hmm. by rain, and in a very yeah. uncomfortable seat, not even a bucket seat, a bench. So I think mm-hmm. that's what most people don't want to do, right? Don't you think it's like it's yeah, it's pay-per-view, it's the stadium, it's not being able to tailgate. This is all the stuff that UH is coming up against. You know, this this fan base has just been put in marginalized and put into smaller containers mm-hmm. year after year after year. And like this is the kind of the end result. So but and, I'm saying, even if we had free TV, when it comes to pay-per-view, which I, I think pay-per-view is bad just because I hate taxing. It's basically a tax on UH fans for just wanting to watch a game. Mm-hmm. $70 a game is – and it's a, a crazy amount. It's just insane. But the thing is, like, even if UH was accessible, which it, I think it would help, it would definitely bring – because, like, Blangiardi, who I, I always reference that episode. If you go back at Hawaii Sports, I was looking at our YouTube – you can watch the Rick Blangiardi candidate for Honolulu mayor before he became Honolulu mayor. And since he's been mayor, he's showed up on TV, obviously recently and with that coalition of former players who are calling for more transparency when it comes to the AD search. 
But guys like Mangiardi, who are part of the initial negotiations for TV, when that was so strange, right? Like, imagine, right? It's like the movies. Like, people are like, what the heck? When I want to watch acting, I have to go to a play. Now it's like, this is on the big screen. And then it was in TV. So you're, you're seeing the evolution in real life. And then live sports, like that was an evolution of its time. Like what? Put, put games in Clum Gym on TV, right? And Bonjardi was like, yeah, that's what we did, right? Put that live camera in Clum Gym to catch that spirit, catch that fire, all those people in there going crazy over volleyball. And then that spurned a whole new generation of fans. Like you said, it didn't affect attendance. It just yeah. created new fans. So hopefully that's what pay-per-view would do. But at the same time, I'm, I don't know. Mm. I don't know if that would be enough because I also think that a lot of people just don't find the value in attending and becoming and being a fan in general, like all year round, not just at the game where the fan experience is very minimal. I mean, we've already talked about that. The experience at the games are minimal. TC Ching is not a great stadium at all. A low stadium was much better. We still don't have a new stadium, but at the same time, being a fan year round for me of like LAFC, which is amazing because you know, we're all, we, we do events or we have cool um, online things that we're doing. There's always engagement throughout the year, even for being season ticket over yeah. for the Chiefs and the Rams. There's, there's always fan events during the year. And we're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of season ticket holders that they find some way to engage. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, mm-hmm. this spring, you know, training camp, being able to be in a special area. That's the easy thing that the school could have done. First of all, mm-hmm. We have, have a, a training app. Yeah, we didn't even have a screen this year. That is crazy too. But doing things on events like that where, you know, like Sean is going to the AKA dinner, which is good to support, go and support. I mean, Sean admitted that he's getting corporate tickets, which is <laughs> normal for a lot of the people. I mean, that's, that's not abnormal. Sean's not going to be the, one of the only people there that someone, a company paid for to be there because that's just what reflective of how UH is paying its bills with donations they're going with corporations first and you know maybe they can get a few peanuts from the everyday fans but that's not their priority but at the same time they could create experiences for everyday fans like like mm-hmm. for example when the volleyball team did that signature after the long island game what game was it it was the long island game when when we when some people stood in line for two hours after the game mm-hmm. That is amazing, I will say, to give everybody that experience, and that was nice of them. But how many people within that group, if you really want to tax people and give them a premium, they don't necessarily have to. Now, a lot of people in that, those lines are not going to be the people going to AK dinner, spending, you know, what whatever it was, two hundred fifty dollars a plate or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, which is still not terrible. People with money, that's not a big deal. And I'm saying people, if you're in the six figure range, peeps, like you can afford this stuff, like go for it. You know, like I think that UH, if they could just get that, that group of people with disposable income that doesn't, they don't need to be rich people that are willing to donate a lot, but people that would be like, Hey, I'll throw in another 50 bucks. If I can have this pregame experience where like players come through or walk through or, you know, when, when, when Fuchsia and I were at this Clippers game sitting in the front row, we had access to this courtside club. And you're like, oh, wow, courtside club. So then we go through this door and we're in like the guts of crypto, of Staples. So you can see, you know, you know what it, you guys know what I mean, where it's like the players are walking in, but 
it's like the back the back and there's boulders and there's exposed lighting and piping because nobody ever sees that right so the club mm-hmm. they ended up putting the club literally like right there next to it was cool where players are walking by i put a video of quiet letter on my on my social so some of you might have seen that but literally they created a space and they called it a club they had this like metallic chain fencing that you could kind of see through that cornered off an area and then they put catering and like cocktail tables so you even though we're so even future was like what the heck this is a club i was like i guess it's an area like and I was like, okay, Clippers, come on. You're in the NBA. This is what you guys are going to do. But to me, it wasn't bad. Like, the food was still pretty good. That really good sushi, which is crazy. And a lot of other good food. But even then, we're like, we're not going to make a new room. We're just going to section mm-hmm. off this part. What you got? Yeah. If you've been in the back, for instance, where of Stan Sheriff, if you've been through the media mm-hmm. entrance in the back, there is an area over there. And they do let people come in. That's where people come in if they're sitting in that um, – special box area yeah which i've sat in before yeah yeah so those people back there can also kind of have access to the locker room since it's all connected right where the where the players are where the media are where they are it's all connected so you could casually mistakenly find yourself even in their locker room if you i mean i'm not saying don't do that don't do that i'm just saying like once you're in the back there you have access to a lot of things that most fans don't see. And that is an experience in itself. You know, like Sean said, you've never been to the back of a low stadium before. Like Mm -hmm. that is an experience. If you've never been back there and you're like, Oh my gosh, this exists like these rooms and this area. And it's like, if more people had that perspective, it probably changed their relationship with the team as well or with the school. So giving more people access. Cause like we said, a lot of us don't even feel comfortable being in the rooms with a lot of donors with all the biggest corporate boosters because mm. they don't make other people feel comfortable because they flaunt their money for us thing or they, where they live mm. or whatever it is. And these people are not even some of them. I don't want to say they're not fans because they're clearly our fans of the team. They're donating, but they're not the same type of passionate emotions attached type of people. And that's what we're saying. Like they are very relevant to, being able to uphold the division one program and you need to have them, but we're trying to find those people that just love UH more than anything. The people like us who would be buying the cards at 7-Eleven when we were kids, the people like us who would line up to get there a little bit early to get a special commemorative coin. These people are not going to be able to pay, but they'll be able to give their time and they've shown it. They'll, they'll hang out afterward to talk to the boys. So you could find ways, I think to charge them $20 to, I don't know, go to their own private session where like you only have some players and they interact. I mean, I I don't think, I don't think it's right to make the players to exploit them or their time, but you could also find ways that for them to engage the fans that doesn't make them add any other responsibilities, but does provide another assistance to the team. And we're seeing it, for example, with the NIL legislation, you could, basically hire one of the kids. Any company could hire one of the, the kids or multiple of them and have them do a, their own private autograph session in their restaurant or in their whatever, you know, in, in their dog grooming shop if they sponsor. But I'm saying like UH could also, instead of waiting for, you know, athletes to get sponsored or, um, 
you know, find ways that they could make money for them, maybe even at the same time, too. And maybe that's a way for the students to make money. You know, like you could now cut them in if you use the third party and you had a third party event, but UH facilitated it so the players can actually get a cut because it would also help a lot of the kids that don't play. I mean, that's the thing. I talked about this on our VIP tour, NCAA, our tour group virtual meetup, which I did just so people get to know each other. I talked about guys like Makua, uh, a kid, you know, he never plays, but a lot of people know who he is because he's created a brand around himself. He's good looking, he's local, he's active on social media. And now I've seen him do NIL stuff as well. You know, he's doing name, image and likeness. And I think it's awesome. And, you know, I think it's, I think that there's potential for all the kids and that's just men's volleyball. And of course, them being successful is going to help. But men's volleyball always is going to have that appeal to the LGBTQ community, to the indoor sports community, to the volleyball community, whether they're, you know, they're going to be in the running for national champions. And people need to understand that they can't take this era lightly. They need to appreciate it, too. Why, why not make him part of the marketing team? Like somebody that's, mm-hmm. you know, walked it and been through it and. I don't know. Just, just a thought. The guy you were just talking about, Makua. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, that's he would be a good idea. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, you could you could have a student ambassador who's an active student athlete. And first of all, they have SAC, mm-hmm. right? Students have SAC. It's because Student Athlete Advisory Committee. Every NCAA mm-hmm. member institution has it. And those kids, they already have a lot on their plate already. Let's be honest. They have to they have to go to practice. Mm-hmm. They don't need to be the cheerleaders for the other teams, but in a lot of ways they have to. And that's why teams go out and support other teams. You see them in the stands because that's just a thing on every campus. Student athletes supporting student athletes, but we need student athletes to engage the students because there aren't any students standing alone as student fans. Even though we see that at Villanova, Gonzaga, we see that small schools where there are kids there. Obviously, when you're playing at that level, it's easier to find fans, even for kids. But there mm-hmm. are kids that love. I mean, a shout out to uh, my boy, at, uh, Chris, uh, at uh, Shamanon. He's the Shamanon super fan. I don't know if you guys know him. Uh, look, he's, uh, he's a permanent fixture on the Shamanon sidelines. He's young. He's only maybe 30 right now, 29. He's. So when he was a student at Chaminade, he'd be in the front row running around all the all the games, men's volleyball, women's, at least women's volleyball and men's basketball. But he would be there at a lot of sports as well. And he's still there now as an alum. And he, this is Chaminade, Chaminade. Mm-hmm. So UH should be able to do that as well. And that's the thing. We need to be able to find and utilize those kids. So in conclusion, I guess what we learned that, like we talked about with Ryan, we want to get the students there. We need to have them basically fill in a lot of those gaps on campus, but maybe have the freshman orientation week, have a day, have a, a session where they walk around stand sheriff, walk around TC Ching, sit in the seats. You can give them their first UH shirt or something to wear, you know, like something that's going to inspire them. So. Yeah. And, and there has to be stuff where you're not giving out only 3000. And I know, you know, stuff costs money. Those, those coins cost money. Those cheap, Plastic light-up rings that we got at volleyball cost money. I understand that, right? But, you know, you've got to find, you know, giveaways. You have to work with your marketing. I mean, you know, no offense to, like, Outrigger, but, you know, they they give away a $50 gift card to their restaurant. I mean, 
for yeah. a big corporation like that, that's pennies, if not yeah, is. percentages mm-hmm. of pennies, you know? Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a bar tab right off one night. Right. So, you know, same thing with Hawaiian airlines, you know, even if you gave away a thousand Hawaiian miles per person on a section or whatever it is, right? yeah. you know, even those yeah. are con- still considered, you know, one point, whatever cents. Exactly. Mile, right? Exactly. And, exactly. And you know, the thing is, is that they have to either buy miles or earn miles to use them at some point. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. But like, they wouldn't know, be able to buy anything like a thousand miles. Yeah. Yeah. Inter-island flights, right? I mean, on sale, Southwest is like 30 bucks each way inter-island. Uh, Hawaiian will usually match that. But, you know, I mean, even Wayne, not to put you, you know, to add more money, but you could give away an inter-island flight on a giveaway, mm. and it would cost you under 100 bucks. Yeah, For maybe, true. you know, a potential of some marketing. And, true, and, you know, true. You look at all these things, and, and, you know, I can appreciate some of these smaller restaurants participating in these like you know brotherhood sisterhood grinds and and helping support that way but when you look at from a d1 and i know we're you know we're group of five we're not a p5 right but we should be so much higher in our marketing budget what we're getting in from the kids you know i saw something on instagram said hey look at alabama's 280 million dollar you know facility and i was like Mm -hmm. that's what 80 percent of what our budget is for the stadium that the city the state's giving us you know, I know for the main you stadium. Know, this is yeah, but this is you know light years. I mean, you know they're top three in the country every year. We're trying to get out of the bottom 125, right? But you know it's just when you look at that perspective, and you know we have a lot of stuff to compete with. You know going back to things like pay per view and all that. You know we knew that stuff was going to be on you know streaming you were going to have all these packages you were going to be able to see more of the world and when i say the world you know nfl mls nba you can see all these games you know you, you can watch i mean just on regular tv you can watch a dozen college football games right on national tv where we didn't have that exposure as much right you could watch i'm trying to remember like nbc would have notre dame every week yeah right back with like k5 and stuff like that and you know, there, it was a mountain to climb, especially for Hawaii. But, you know, the branding is just, to me, is non-existent. You know, I fly yeah. through Seattle a lot and I see, you know, and these are Pac-12 teams, but I see the Washington State plane, the Washington plane, you know, mm-hmm. and they're smaller, you know, Embraer 175s or whatever they are, right? But the fact that they have whole, you know, livery yeah. like it that. should be Hawaiian Airlines, Hawaiian. You, you can't even get H. like an H painted on a tail. And yeah. make it the eight, make it on an A330, and then that's what we use for charters, so that when it comes and when it shows up at an airport, they know it's us. Yeah, you know yeah. that costs. I think a tail costs like a hundred gallons of paint. I think it's like two coats, fifty each for just the tail on both sides. You know, but and I know these are costs, right? But from any investment, you do have to spend some money to make some money to grow the program. You know, yeah. we we're, we're not. We're in Hawaii. We're not capable of pulling this Billy Bean money ball situation and, and creating this, you know, great program out of, you know, being, you know, as as efficient and logical as possible. Right. And, and you know, like Wayne said, they, there are a lot of people that have a lot of money. You know, I got to go to one of those things with volleyball. Right. They have that underneath. They've got their separate bar. You've got your food and stuff like that. And even Charlie Wade comes in pregame and just goes, hey, this is what's going on. You know, you get a one-on-one with a D1 coach 
that gets to talk to you as a select group of fans and you know and he's pretty specific you know i was sitting there and i was like wow this is like kind of what you gave the assistant coaches on a game plan here you know i thought it would be a little more like surface level but you know he went in pretty deep and wow. you know which I, I could appreciate right um you know when you just start talking about you know shifting and middle blocks and you know it's not just like oh we need to serve better you know what i mean um but you know stuff like that you know how do we you know, do we even have that for football where you have this little higher up area? I went to that for uh, basketball. Uh, Aron Ganat came and he, like, you, it was underneath in the back and they gave us yeah. food. It was like some partially catered, partially like homemade stuff. And then uh, Aron came and he talked about the game plan and, you know, told some jokes and, so yeah, so that, but mean, yeah, that that area back there. Well, what, what Ryan is saying is, in football, we really don't have that, and and that's no. the thing for football. Yeah, the stand sheriff, we do it, we do it already, but uh, and we can expand on it. But really, we need derivations of that. We kind of had that for the senior night at the alumni. You guys went and supported a different event, a third party event that day. But if you guys wanted to support the school, you could have gone to. Um, the Alumni Association, which they opened up the Letter Winners Club, so we were able to eat in there and talk. And it was not super well attended, unfortunately. And I thought it was a, it was a great deal. I think it was twenty dollars a day, and we got beer and yeah. food. Um, and we had that whole area to hang out in, which was air conditioned. And they had area outside to talk. And that should be every game. That should be every game. Um, and that's the thing: is like but you could have first? any coach. What comes first, the chicken or the egg? Well, that's the thing. A lot of that's what Ryan's saying. They're so scared to make any investments into anything because they think they're going to lose money. And, and, mm -hmm. and if they lose money, they're going to lose. They, they're worried about their, their paychecks first and all of their margins. So they're not, there's no incentive for people, especially at these public institutions where their, mo their main motivation is to earn their retirement and roll, roll off into the sunset, which is crazy because it's going to take long-term investments from people, from stakeholders who have emotional stake as well in the program. And usually people who are working in the program don't have that emotional stake. And that's why they try and blow it up when Matt Lynn donated whatever his 10,000, which is awesome for him. Congrats to the AD for donating to the program. But the school made sure to make that a big deal um, just to show that he did that, which is unnecessary, first of all, but also doesn't shouldn't be something that we even – Think about because there should be so many people donating anyways, and you should have a huge, solid foundation of that. Um, but with that being said, there's still a lot that we said that the, the, the program can do to make the right steps. We hope by next year we can start doing some of these things. We can see more students. We can have more pregame. We can see more visibility on the Internet, on television, on cable markets. But until then, I don't see and I don't think any of us see us really increasing in at least uh, when it comes to um, how many people are at the games, how many people are going through the, through the mm -hmm. turnstiles, that's not going to change unless you make investments, solid investments. Wow. And you cannot wait for the team to start winning. Cause, and that's why I hate the adage. If you just win, like no, even men's volleyball, they're winning. They're the number one team in the nation. They haven't had a real a turnstile sellout. They've had people pay tickets, but, I think that a lot of people are getting just a little bit um, used to, to this winning and success a little bit too much. And 
you should appreciate. They should be an event every time you're at. No matter if UH is playing a cellar dweller or a team that has no, you know, national recognition, people should be there for that event. And that would happen if you got to see Charlie or Milan, even Chad Giesman, like the assistant coach. If you had a room in Stan Sheriff or you had a side and it was a, if you paid an extra, I don't know, $25 per game, like a premium, whatever, $20, yeah. you could go there and be in that room kind of like the letter when the letters winner club room was pretty lame i would be honest but at least it was a cool place to hang out with people yeah. and eat food and talk and they had a tv screen showing other football games mm-hmm. and that's the that's the bare minimum and they were able to accomplish that by only charging 20 dollars per person so i think if they went even more hardcore with it even had chefs come in so be like on certain days you know, if you're not a member, so this could be another level of membership, mm. you could pay additionally. So like Nakoa, right? Or uh, when they used to have, when Nakoa, they, I don't think they do their lunches anymore, right? But when they used to have their luncheons, yeah. it was $10 for members and $20 for non-members. Yeah. And because I wouldn't go to all Nakoa luncheons, I try and go to at least one a year. I would just pay the non-member price. Obviously, I'm not a Nakoa member myself, but... That was cool to be in that room with a coach talking X's and O's and eating food. Like, and it was so simple, you know, it was like, it was so easy. And it was like, it's just enough to give you that, my UH fix, right? I was going to say, if you give Jen your credit card, I'm sure she can fix that for you. Oh, I'm sure Um, Jen could. I'm sure Jen (laughs) could. And the thing is like, I I think that those groups are important. I'm not saying they're not, but it's not, there definitely needs to be a tiered yeah. organization or something for people that are not the people that generally are associating with those type of folks, richer folks. So, yeah. well, and, and here's the thing is, you know, as you were talking about that, I was actually thinking of the kind of the opposite side, right? So I was thinking about, and obviously, you know, I lived in Dallas for a while, like the Texas Rangers and the Mavs do really well selling those nosebleed seats. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're about to add 8,000 seats to our stadium. And I remember as a kid, you know, we could buy these packs of like four tickets for like a hundred bucks and you would get, you know, all the way up and you get four hot dogs and four drinks for like a hundred bucks. And maybe you have to pay five, 10 bucks for parking or you can include it in something, but how do we not just get more people in there? You know, Mark Cuban sells $10 tickets for mouse games all the way up top. Sell it out. So he can sell out. So why are we not, you know, and it's the same thing with like, you know, pay-per-view. If you drop that 75 to 50, maybe you get one or two more customers or a dozen more, right? Or at 35 or 40, there's got to be that middle ground of trying to find, hey, if I can drop the price enough to gain more clients, same thing with tickets. You know, let's just fill it up because, you know, a five, $10 ticket is, you know, the person in the seat is not going to cost you a whole lot. I mean, technically, you might get an extra parking, you know, fee. But other than that, you know, I guess there's art, I guess, you know, paying for security and, you know, restrooms or whatever it is, right, with those numbers. But if you can fill seats for five, 10 bucks at the very top or however high we're actually going to go with the seats, why not do it? Or $15 or 20 or, you know, whatever that number is for you, because otherwise it's going to be the same thing. I agree with the pack thing and they could do, that's what they're going to need to do. They're going to get the money up ahead of time. I don't think walk it ups happen. And we talked about this. I don't think walk-ups happen at Manoa or ever happen and probably never happened since we moved to campus. Of course, people drive to the stadium 
Aloha Stadium on a night of a game and walked up to the box office. It was normal, right? You go yeah. to the box office, it's always right. packed with people. I just Aloha buy Stadium. tickets at the, at the box office. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what Ryan's saying is right, though, too. I think we can do four packs, the family packs, and you got to price those seats for basically $5 mm-hmm. a seat. And maybe yeah. just something because, you know, those families aren't going to go every week. They're not going to be not. like us. Yes. And, and they're not. Right. Yeah. And maybe they can go to one or two games. And, you know, of course, you got the big names like Stanford was going to fill. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of Stanford alumni on, you know, on this yeah. island. But, yeah. you know, so, yeah. some of the Mountain West games and, you know, just like, hey, I'm a family of four. And we know, the three of us know very well, being in Hawaii is expensive, whether it's gas, food, doing anything. If you walk out your door, you're spending money. I somehow went to Costco tonight and spent under $50, which is like a record for me. So you um, bought a half an item, basically. <laughs> I bought only food, just produce. And, and yeah, I did really well. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, they give away like $5 Texaco, you know, gift cards, right? For gas at like Sten Sheriff Center. That's not even a gallon of gas. Yeah. You know, yeah. $5 yeah. Safeway coupons. If you go on $5 Friday, you can buy something. But chicken, you know, that's just. But, you know, you, you think about the, the million plus on this island, right? And some of them have to drive pretty far. You know, you might live North Shore. You, you know, even Milwaukee's not as close, right? No. You know, Kaneohe side driving over. You know, if you can make it worthwhile enough that you can somehow make some money, somebody gets an experience, but it's also like trying to get that family involved. Like we talked about the next generation, right? Yeah. Because then a parent, two parents can take their two kids or three kids or whatever it is. Or maybe you buy two four packs and there's eight of you, right? That's how you get people in. That's how you find the next generation. And, you know, maybe the kid's like, hey, that was really fun. I want to go again. You know, there's so much marketing here that I feel like we're missing. And you are right. Our season tickets are not that bad. I mean, I think, I don't know where you got 99. I don't know. I think I paid 150 a ticket. Maybe. Oh, I don't know. 150, 150. Okay, 150. I mean, (laughs) I I think before, but yeah, 150. Yeah. Okay. I think we can do $99. And I'll send you a Venmo if you're getting 99 bucks. No, no, no. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, no, no. I don't I guess it is 150, yeah. but still 150 is yeah. like a spread across seven games is if we did a fifteen dollars a game for the people that are just sell it a little bit higher next year, I think that that might help sell yeah. a little bit too. So mm-hmm. we'll see though. But UH had to change its pricing scheme for this past year because they weren't selling enough. And that's why they had to go to the, you know, change everybody around. So we'll see. But like you said, I think that's a good way to close, a good solid way. We're trying to build new generation of fans mm-hmm. and we're trying to get revenue. Why not use some of those additional seats next year, make some family packs and hopefully that'll bring more mm-hmm. people. Um, and also obviously we even bring up tailgating because we don't need to. We always bat that, mm-hmm. that dead horse. But the fact is mm-hmm. it's such a big thing and we, yeah. Don't even have it. But with that being said, this was another great week for the Rainbow Wrap-Up. Mahalo for joining us. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, even when it's the off-season. So please make sure to subscribe. Um, especially subscribe to our mailing list, hisportsfans.com. And come join us on the road. We so many great adventures coming up. Nashville, Tennessee, to see UH play their Week Zero opponent. Once again, Vanderbilt, but this time going all the way. Uh, to Tennessee and we're going to be there too we're going to be going to the Honky Tonks we're going to be going to the um, Grand Ole Opry we're going to be going on mural tours we're, I just can't wait it's going to be so exciting so check it out hisportsfans.com we're going to also drop some more tours like Oregon I just like saying Oregon because people on the East Coast say it like Oregon but Oregon uh, Eugene Oregon uh, will be there 
and uh, a few more places, Las Vegas. So stick around. Make sure you're on the list so we'll drop it. But mahalo for joining us. And we'll shout out our boy, Lalo Head. We'll see him again on another. But thank you, Ryan, for joining us. Um, always a great stand-in. And for Sean, this is Wayne Coito. We'll see you folks next time right here on the Rainbow Wrap-Up. Aloha. Go Bulls. Rainbow Wrap-Up is sponsored by Hawaii Sports Fans. Come join us for every UH football game on the road at hisportsfans.com. Haven't you ever just wanted to experience SoFi Stadium, the building, the atmosphere, the electricity, but just didn't want to deal with the parking and all the planning that went along with it? Well, that's why Hawaii Sports Fans is here. We got the best tickets, the best seats for you. Plus, we got your transportation, we got your parking, we got all the little pilikia that you don't want to worry about. Let us deal with all that humbug because that's the difference at Hawaii Sports Fans from any other company is that we're going to get you that fan experience that you really can't get anywhere else. It's going to be a private experience. It's going to be a lot of VIP amenities, of course, wherever we go, because you are the VIP when you come with Hawaii sports fans. Uh, but we just want you to make a memory and have fun. And that's the most important thing. You're going to put that money down. We want you to have fun and have something to look back on and reflect on for the rest of your life. So check us out, hisportsfans.com, hisportsfans.com. Or check us out on social media, at hisportsfans on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Hawaii sports fans. Come find us. Come connect with us and come join us on the road because there's really, really nothing like it. We've been doing it for 10 years now and it just keeps getting better.